This episode is sponsored by State Farm. You a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Well, look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers. They're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. I need lots of money, come on. Stop. You gotta win. <laughs> Live from Joe's mom's basement, it's the Stacking Benjamin Show. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and hey there, stackers. Today is a special episode for two reasons. First, it's going to be a special game show episode. What are some big wastes of money that keep you from your goals? Second, though, and even better, joining us is a woman who finally has her own podcast called The Smart Money Mama Show. Please welcome Chelsea Brennan. And from What's Up Next podcast, special guest, Doc G. And from LenPenzo.com, it's Nancy Pelosi. Oh, my God. I'm just kidding. She ripped up our script. It's just Len Penzo. But that ain't all. I know I said there were only two special things, but how about I throw in a third at no extra charge? It's our FinTech Friday. And how about a company minimizing bank fees utilizing artificial intelligence? We'll find out how a company called Harvest is doing that by talking to founder and CEO Nami Baral. And of course, we'll magnify someone's money by answering their voicemail and... I'll test Chelsea Brennan and company with my famous trivia. And now, the guy who probably wishes he had more pockets in his skinny jeans, Joe Salciha. Skinny jeans? I am nowhere close to skinny jeans. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the No, That's Not Me podcast. I'm Joe Salciha. I have Joe Money on Twitter. And today is a very special day because she finally has her own podcast coming to us from the Boston area. My dad shortwave. It's Chelsea Brennan. We should say our own Chelsea Brennan. Now you've been on the show so damn much. Yeah. I had to stop coming and crashing your own show. So she, she's <laughs> like, <my> own. <laughs> she's like, instead of booting us out of the way, finally now she's got her own show. Congratulations. Thank you. Is it fun? Do you like it? It's been a lot of fun. We launched four episodes on day one, and now I got to figure out how to not get sick of my own voice twice a week. But you know, <laughs> oh, you know how you do that? You go to three days a week. 
And then you put uh, out another show that's another show. six days a week. Yes, do that. And then you'll be seriously sick of your voice. So, but tell everybody about the format, because I like what you do. Yeah, so we're doing monthly themes, try to focus around different angles of a topic. And every Monday is going to be a solo episode with me, less than 20 minutes. And then on Thursday, we're doing like a deep dive interview, which will be closer to 45 to 60 minutes. Oh, awesome. Cool. And a guy who also just added interviews to his podcast from the What's Up Next podcast, it's Mr. Doc G. What's going on, man? Hey, it's great to be back here. I am stuck right now with a spring break issue. You see, my son is a freshman in high school, and we can no longer pull him out of school for spring break. And all the hotels are expensive, and all the flights are expensive during his spring break week. So I'm kind of bummed because I, I really feel the need to go somewhere like Mexico in March in Chicago. Are you saying your spring break is broken? It is. It's done broke. Spring broken. Yeah, that's ugly. So what do you do? Spend a lot of money? All that big podcasting money? Yeah, exactly. I take all the profits from the podcast <laughs> and I put it towards a Mexico trip. Um, that would be a very cheap Mexico trip. <laughs> So we're still trying to figure it out. We might have to, you know, take down a notch the level of hotel we go to. Well, have you ever been to a bunker underneath Los Angeles? Family might like that. Only if I go visit Len. Oh, how did you know? Len Penzo's here. You know, I'm I'm starting to feel like I'm the only guy without a podcast. Uh, (laughs) You know, uh, I've been stuck with putting the flyers on car windshields, and that doesn't seem to be working very well. So maybe I will go to podcasts here eventually. That'll be the next thing. Then you can make both dollars. <laughs> I, you know, it takes me a whole day to put that page together, and I put on the windshield. And, you know, <laughs> I know what most people do with those things once I – no wonder nobody knows about me. Please read Len Penzo. <laughs> you stand there at LAX. You got that big line of cars now at LAX. Hey, that's a good idea, actually. Yeah, I could do that. That's a a great idea. You got like a captive audience. How long does it take to get a ride there? Like an hour and a half? (laughs) I'm in Detroit, and I know how bad your airport is. It's terrible, right? Oh, my God. Yeah, it's really terrible, especially since they turned the Uber and the cabs into the the special place down there for them. It's it's a mess. (laughs) You know, it'd be fun if you could, like, uh, hire somebody to get in line for you at LAX and stand in line and you just go back to one of those airport bars or whatever, or a restaurant. Wouldn't that be great? I think that's it. I think you've just uh, hit on a nice side hustle. I think that's a great reason to try to find somebody on Fiverr. Big thanks to them for sponsoring our podcast. Someday I'm going to nail a segue. It's so easy to find freelance talent for your business, your product, or to maybe wait in line for you at LAX. Don't waste any more time. Get 10% off and the service you deserve by going to FIVERR.com and use code SB. We used Fiverr a ton when we were developing the podcast. We used, we, I feel like I'm on Fiverr five or six times a year. Chelsea, you ever on Fiverr? Yeah, several times a year. Yeah. Especially yeah. new video stuff. And yeah, it's very helpful. it is. It's a great spot. But we're going to help you not waste money today. We've got a recent uh, Market Watch piece that talks about that. We got Chelsea here, we got Len here, we got Doc G here. Let's get the party started. Hello, darlings. And now, it's time for your favorite part of the show, our Stacking Benjamins Headlines. Here we go. It is time, ladies and gentlemen, for that recurring theme on the Stacking Benjamin Show. When you hear this awesome music, you know it's game show time. We're going to play three rounds of the popular game for fun and no prizes called... 
don't waste your money on these things. And here's the deal. That, that's a horrible name. Maybe we'll change that in post-production. However, for now, that's what we're going to call it. Here's the deal, guys. There is a post which was on MarketWatch, and this is written by a guy named Richard Quinn. There are 16 items on this list, and I'll tell you, when our producer Karen and I, when we clicked on this list, it is quirky. There are three things on this list that are more philosophical than actual items. And then there are 13 items that range from straightforward to kind of out there. So I thought what a great way to throw darts and to talk about not wasting money all together. If you know how this game plays, you know that in the first round, you'll get one point. In the second round, you'll get two points. And in the third round, you'll get three points for a correct answer. All right. So here we go. We're going to go uh, ladies first, Chelsea. We'll go new podcasters first. I'm sorry. We'll do that, which means it's still Chelsea. Chelsea, on this list of 16 money wasters. Well, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to even read the open of this piece by Richard Quinn. Here's, here's what he says, just to set the stage. From the lofty perch of old age and after a lifetime of thrift, I declared that I am qualified to comment on how not to waste money. We've all heard the reports most Americans live paycheck to paycheck. A large number can't come up with $400 for an emergency, and there's no money to save for retirement and other goals. Much of that data comes from surveys where people are, in effect, saying they don't have enough income. My curmudgeonly reaction, stores, fitness centers, and entertainment venues are packed with shoppers, many of them buying unnecessary goods and services. If three-quarters of Americans are living paycheck to paycheck, how can they afford to spend like this? It's a funny thing. I have yet to see Warren or Bill in one of those many local spas. By the way, spas don't make the list. Most Americans live like no other people on earth. We have more and bigger stuff, larger houses, bigger vehicles, more shoes. And in my not-so-humble opinion, we can't tell the difference between needs and wants, between necessities and desires, and we sure can't defer gratification. All this leads me to one conclusion. We're unable to control our spending or manage our money. Here are 16 things this 75-year-old considers big wastes of money. So, Chelsea, on that note, what is on Richard's list? I'm going to go with gym memberships. Is it seems to come up to people all the time, and he's mentioning, he mentioned it a couple times in the open. Yeah, gym memberships you see a lot. You know, what's funny is at my gym, which I go to regularly, I got to tell you, it's just starting to die down. In January, going to my gym stunk. Every year going to my gym in January absolutely stinks. You can't find a machine or something to work on. You can't get a lane in the pool. But man, mid-February started looking good. I don't know if you guys, you guys, you guys join a gym. The lane in the pool thing is, is a huge problem. I like to go in the morning before the boys wake up. <laughs> it's like in January, forget it. There's, it's packed. It's amazing. Even at like 530 in the morning at my gym. I'm like, really? Where were you guys? But now it's February and I got my lane back. So we're going to ask Steve, our engineer, Steve, is gym membership on the list? Believe it or not, it didn't make the list. Apparently 75-year-olds, Chelsea, don't go to the gym. I feel like that's exclusively who goes to the gym most of the year. <laughs> but I think that's a big one. Uh, Doc, do you have a gym membership? I do not. I mostly work out at home or outside, you know, go for runs, run, something like that. I did. Len, how about you? You know what? I had one for, what, 28, 29 years? A long time, yes. But then I uh, I finally stopped when I turned uh, I don't know, late forties. Just enough. Don't need that anymore. That workout I gave, stuff. I decided to let myself go. <laughs> I, I, 
it was easier. Boy, it's so much nicer to let yourself go. It's so much easier than going to the gym. He finally realized that divorce is difficult. <laughs> I just gave up. Don't, don't say that too loud. Or does she already know that you've given up? Oh, yeah. I, I hear about it. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Doc, you are up next. What's this uh, 75-year-old think is a waste of money? Nice wheels. I think new cars, right? So who spends money on new cars? I think you got to buy a used car. That's what people waste money on, vehicles. Good one, Doc. Are vehicles on the list? He calls it transportation is on the list because when you're 75 you who, shouldn't go anywhere yeah. you should. <laughs> stay home going places is for morons break a hip uh richard writes you don't quote need an suv or a forty thousand dollar plus pickup truck to get from a to b my four kids grew up riding in our 1972 duster now they too all have trucks or suvs <laughs> apparently the kids don't learn i work in a community where it's counter to most of the world. Like I drive a $5,000 car and I felt like our community collectively high-fived each other when I did that. You guys feel the same? Do you guys ever feel any pressure to buy a new car? Doc, working in the medical field, you feel some pressure? I got a lot of flack for buying an expensive car, both from people in the medical field as well as people in the personal finance realm. So I was at the time driving incredibly far distances and I wanted an electric car. And back then, the only car that had the range that I needed was a Tesla. So I bought a Tesla Model S in like 2014. And I got a lot of flack for that. Like if I know if I want to write a blog post or do a podcast and get lots of attention, just write about having a Tesla and you will get lots and lots of comments, responses, queries about it. But I will tell you, I'm not a car person, and it is a pure pleasure to drive that car like five years later. It is still a pure pleasure every time I get in that car to drive it, and I really don't care about cars. The main reason I got it was it was very, you know, it was an electrical car, and I wanted that, and it had a range of 200 miles or more. So He makes a good point, Len. I remember we have the Woodward Dream Cruise here in Detroit where there's over – I think 2 million people line the streets of Woodward Avenue and they have all kinds of from classic cars to just souped up vehicles to exotic cars. And uh, I'm not really a car guy either, but a friend of a friend let me drive her 68 Stingray convertible in the Dream Cruise. Yeah. I got to tell you really quickly, I got it. Like I got it. I got behind that wheel and I'm like, oh, what does this cost? Yeah. No, I... I hear, you know, I didn't have my first new, buy my first new car till I was 50. And I was kind of like, Doc, I was, I just decided I had a long commute and I was like, you know what? I paid my dues. I'm going to buy a new car. And I got a lot of flack. I mean, terrible flack. It's like I just cheated on everybody. But you know what? If you're going to buy a new car and you hold it for 20 years or 15 years, I see nothing wrong with that. There's no, there's no shame in that. I mean, you're getting your money's worth and, uh, you know, but I do get it. Like I said, until I was 50, I bought nothing but used cars. I can tell you guys, I grew up racing go-karts and race cars and I don't get the, the street car thing. Like I'll drive any like beater car. Cause I'm like, even if you had a fast, really nice car, you can still only go so far over the speed limit before you're going to end up in jail. So <laughs> if I want to go back to driving 150 miles an hour, I'll get on the racetrack, which is way more expensive than a new car, but 
Yeah, I just never cared about cars. It's not about speed, though. It's about acceleration. See, you can accelerate incredibly fast in a car like a Tesla, and you don't even have to go that fast. When you go from zero to 40 incredibly quickly, you feel like you're going really fast. Compared to a race car, though, it probably doesn't feel that crazy. <laughs> yeah, I was about to say, I'll never drive a race car, so this is as close as I get. Yeah, but even those race cars, they limit you, the amateurs, to what, like 160? That's probably about as fast as they'll let you go, right? Yeah, but 160 on a half-mile track is... Is that a straight or a round? Like a round. Round track, yeah. But a different question, Chelsea, in the, in the money management business, I know there's a bunch of people in there looking at each other, and there's this, how much money do you make, how much money do you make? I would think in that realm, there's a lot of pressure to drive a pretty, maybe not exotic car, but an expensive car. I think it probably is depending on where you work. I think like I was always in New York or Boston and a lot of my colleagues lived in the city. So we either didn't have cars or we didn't see each other's cars. So it really wasn't a big deal. But I'm sure if you're in a a smaller market or like, you know, the Greenwich area of Connecticut, it's probably a big deal. Yeah. Doc G takes the lead. He's got one. Len, a chance to tie this at the end of round one. What does Richard Quinn, the 75-year-old, have on his list? There's 15 left. Well, I think there's a super obvious one. I should wait until a three-pointer, but it'll probably be taken. So I'm going to go right to the heart of the matter. The reason I'm saying this is because I experienced this yesterday. It's the coffee. It's buying those coffees every morning, those Starbucks. But I was out with my daughter yesterday, and she stopped at a Starbucks drive through and we were like number 27, the cars in line. There was like 26 cars in front of us at the Starbucks drive through And I'm just sitting there thinking, how many people actually do – I can't believe people do this. I mean it's just – and this was like at noon. It boggles the mind. I don't get it. I mean, it's six, five, six bucks for a cup of coffee every day. It's just crazy. And did you say you were in line to get yours too? Well, I was with my daughter. She, <laughs> it was for her. Trust me, I, I did not get one. Throwing your daughter under the bus. <laughs> yeah. Not my problem. Hey, she admits she's proud of it. Hey, she, she doesn't have a problem with it. You know, it's like, I tell her it's a waste, but you know, it's just, that's the thing. That's dead. Whatever. That's dead. <laughs> Absolutely. Is coffee. On the list. He lists restaurants and coffee, by the yeah, way. Yeah, okay. He okay, says well, takes out eating money. out or buying $4 designer coffee is expensive and wait for it. It's also a luxury. Skip that daily $4 coffee. And after 30 years, you'll have more than 121000 yeah. bucks, assuming a half percent monthly return, yeah. 6% per year. Yeah. yeah. All right. We've got uh, Doc has one. Len has one. We go to the... Super exciting. Wait for it. Wait for it. The super duper exciting. I should have played that while I announced the score, but I'm not that great at saying stuff and hitting buttons at the same time, apparently. All right. One, one. Chelsea's going to get to uh, go third this time. So, Len, we're sticking with you. Round two, two points for this one. There's 14 of them left. What's a big fat waste of money? I forgot I was going. (laughs) 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 Okay, well, let's see. Man, there's so many things people waste money on all the time. um, Let me think. I'm going to say taking, paying too high on your insurance premiums, you take the lowest deductible. So you're, you know, you end up overpaying for your insurance. I'm sure that's not in there. But. <laughs> it's very specific. 
It's too specific, but okay, let's see what happens. Paying State Farm the lowest deductible on policy number XY. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, is paying too much on your insurance on there? Oh, gee, surprise. There is one, though. There's a philosophical one that's close, and the judge's Len came close to giving it to you, but um, no, nah, not quite. Almost, almost what? there. Some of these philosophical ones. We can't well, hold on here. Let's let's. We can't have a game without controversy. <laughs> Just like you well, know, you're, how... gonna not, you're not going to say this one until the end of the game. I'm right? not. Yeah. Okay. Then I'll reserve the right to complain after. There's okay, an, but I was close. There's an say. asterisk already over this episode, okay. like there is every single episode of this show. So there but, we go. But you got to agree that what I said is that's obviously true. People people always say, "Oh, I'll take the lowest deductible," you know, and it's like you never claim your insurance anyway so just take the highest deductible and pay a lower premium it depends if you have an emergency fund you know who i always saw len would jack up the deductible was people that had no money and they couldn't afford the right insurance which for them was a very low deductible because they didn't have any recourse and so they would jack up the deductible they get in a car accident and immediately here comes more debt and because they didn't have anywhere to go it was always high interest debt but you're right. Once you got your once you got your emergency fund in place, why not? Correct. Yes, I, I totally agree. Right, because it, what is insurance? Right, insurance. You're only supposed to insure something that you cannot afford to pay for yourself. If you're not supposed to insure little things that you can always cover yourself, that's really yeah. You know, that's not what you should be doing. So, is there a type of insurance, Chelsea, that you generally don't like? All the insurance around the little electronics that you buy, like now when you order anything on. Amazon, you get this offer for insurance. Like I got an offer for insurance on my podcast mic, which was sixty-five dollars. <laughs> it's like I think I'm okay. Even but you if know my kid that, throws it down the stairs, I'll buy a new one. You yeah. know where that does come in handy? If you have little kids and you're giving them electronics and stuff to use, that pays for itself because we used to do that when our kids were small. We'd get the electronic games and the kids would break them. And we'd get, we'd more than make our money back. That was the only time I did it. I, yeah, I, that'd be the only time I would recommend that. Too. I was sure back in the day we were going to walk into a GameStop and they were going to tell us that we'd had enough. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we were called, uh, um, what's the opposite of profit margin? Guaranteed loss. I don't know. Something like that. All right. Enough of that. Uh, Doc, you are up now. Your chance, oh, to, your big chance to take the lead here. It's got to be the house, right? Overbuying houses. Is overbuying your house on the list? Apparently, when you're 75, houses are fine. Are you- <laughs> but you will see this. It's funny, Doc. I mean, I think I know where you come from on that. You look at the three biggest things they say where you can cut, right? Yeah, maybe since he's 75, we're talking about nursing homes. Overspending <laughs> on your nursing home. Over Going with... Going with a too high value nursing home. You should go for, you know, a little more bare bones. I think at 75, you would think that's not a waste of money. That's like the perfect thing. Your your nursing home has to have a bar, have a singles night. I was about to say an active single scene is what you really need. Yeah, absolutely. All right, Chelsea, your chance to take the lead. I know what everybody's thinking. Can she do it? All right. Given that he's 75 and he doesn't want anyone to go anywhere or eat out ever, I'm, I got to go with college. Just that generation thinking that, like, we're all stupid for getting into student loan debt. 
Does college make the list? <laughs> this list, by the way, to Chelsea's point, becomes way more predictable the longer you play. You're like, oh, I get where he's coming from. He says, picking a college involves many factors. Affordability is one that's often overlooked. If the cost of the school you choose will land you in debt, you better have a plan for paying it off. Don't mortgage your future just so you can have a prestigious decal on your car window. That advice, I don't know about you guys, that advice is, has gotten over the past year and a half. If I hear that one more time, I, I'm just going to bash my head into my mic. Is there a human being on earth that doesn't know that now? Or is that just who we hang out with? No, my mother. My mother is convinced for all her grandchildren that they all have to go to the best Ivy League expensive school possible. Has to be. Has to be. She wants all of them to go to the best schools, regardless of cost. Cost she gonna, has she gonna no... pay for it? We're still working on that. <laughs> <laughs> I just think I, I don't know, Len. Do you see this all over the place now? Yeah, it's it's everywhere. Yes, it's it's everywhere. Yeah, but, you know. But I'm glad. I'm glad. You know, the words got getting out, and I think yeah. um, that's a good thing. That's a good thing because there's been so many young kids have been hurt over the past decade, especially. I do. I totally agree with that. That ends round two of our little game show, which means it's time to go over the score. No. Len has won. Doc has won. Chelsea, the newest podcaster in the room, schooling you two bozos with a score <laughs> of two. All right. We go to round three. Let the record show that the, the protest is still uh, it's still on the table here. If we once we get to the end here, Doc has not gone first yet. So, Doc, your chance to put some pressure on Chelsea and Len here. There's still 13 left. So, <laughs> all right. So, I guess I'm going to go with utilities. I think we spend too much on utilities, things like electricity, <laughs> water. You know, you don't need to be turning on the heat to 85 all the time. The dude's 75. He turns the heat to 85 all the time. And he's still freezing. <laughs> he should live in Florida. He's 75. I go to my the heat. I go to my mother-in-law's house. I want to take off all my clothes. And, <laughs> and, we really don't need to know that. Well, and not because I'm hanging out with my in-laws, but because of the fact that it is a it is an oven in their house. And you can't convince her that it's not. She's freezing. On the under end of the spectrum, my mother-in-law likes to open all the windows in January. So it's too hot. It's oh, too my hot goodness. <laughs> is utilities on the list? Did not make Mr. Quinn's list. All right, Len. Your chance, your big chance. Okay, so you keep saying the guy's 75 years old. Like, that's going to color some of these things. So, <sighs> I think if you keep thinking the way that, I don't want to give you too many hints, but if you keep thinking the way you've been thinking. Not going to do it? No, you're right there. I look at I'm all right this there, stuff. Huh? Expensive right coffee, college expensive cars. Well, I, I, you know, I really want to, there's one more thing. The guy's 75. Here's one thing. I, I don't want to say another insurance one and be one dimensional, but there's another insurance, a big, uh, gosh, but what would this guy say? <sighs> think about in his head. Think about Len in your average day. 
you see somebody, you talk to somebody like you were with your daughter and you're in that line at Starbucks and you're like, why the hell would somebody do that? Okay. All right. How about this? I'll go back to the old, how about getting premium gasoline? Premium <laughs> gasoline. Is Instead that a regular? Is premium gas. Like if your car doesn't require it, do people do that? Yeah, I think so. a lot of people think, you know, it keeps their engine, you know, they get better performance, you know. And if you look at the the car manufacturers, it says just use the stupid regular for 90% of the cars out there, right? But a lot of people do. Or even the mixed blend, even the mixed blend, right? They'll go up to 89 octane. Len not only gave up on himself by not going to the gym, he doesn't let his car do anything either. <laughs> Gave up on his car. His car says premium only, and Len's like, "Nope." No, no, no. If it's pre- if you have to take a premium gasoline in your car, then you got to do that. But there's people that have just regular, like my Honda, my modest Honda Accord. I mean, people put premium in there because they think it'll give better performance. You know, is premium gasoline on the list? <laughs> Didn't. This is the most exciting game show ever. There's an Emo Phillips joke where he is, uh, he dies and goes to heaven. You know, he goes before the court and God to see if he's done anything good and worth getting into heaven. And he says, well, I once put premium gasoline in a rental car. <laughs> that didn't qualify, by the way. So whatever you talk about premium gasoline, I was, I don't know, I think uh... it is. Sorry. All right, Chelsea, you already have the game in hand, my friend. But let's see if you can pour salt on the wound <laughs> for three points. At least it's not gasoline. What's that? Uh, at least it's not gasoline I'm pouring on the wound. <laughs> I should have said that. Yeah, just keep the match away and we'll, yes. we'll, it'll be okay. To pour premium gasoline on the wound. All right. I'm going to go a little less specific than some of the other ones. And oh, I got two here. I'm going to go with clothing. I was thinking about like things we spend way too much on. I was in the store the other day and there was like $25 t-shirts for toddlers. And I was like, no, which is <laughs> <Just> why. <laughs> like, uh, pass. Does a 75-year-old think that clothing is a waste of money? You got it. He says, my new condo has two bedrooms and three walk-in closets, two of them larger than the bedroom was in my old 1929 house. The average adult spends $161 a month on clothing. We're obsessed what? with keeping up with the latest fashions and ensuring nobody sees us in the same clothes twice. Are you kidding? I just want to mention that he mentioned his condo there because he downsized because housing costs were too high. <laughs> I just I just want you guys to read into that what you will. Not one, but two asterisks after this podcast. You know what? I have T-shirts from 2002 in my closet. It's like, I, do people really spend 160 dollars a month on clothes well you know what that means len looks like you let yourself go when it came to clothing too <laughs> just across the Holes board in his t-shirt <laughs> into the gym hail beyond belief crazy. i mean geez i mean i'm known, i know i'm not mr fashion but but holy smokes <laughs> and the final score len one doc I g won. one no. <laughs> and the winner, the newest podcaster on the block, Chelsea Brennan, with Yay. a score of five, five to one to one. Yeah, well. Oh, man. But let's go over the other ones on this list. 
before we move on, the ones that uh, we didn't get. And it's actually quite a list. Number one, tattoos are a waste Number of money. One? Oh, yes, yes. That's the yes. first one on his list. He said yep. they're an admitted obsession yes. of mine. Why, why are we listening to this guy again? <laughs> <laughs> Number like, two, <laughs> vacations are a waste of money. Well, he said transportation, so we knew he couldn't go anywhere. He said everybody needs a break, but you don't got to go into tuition-level debt to have a good time. Your kids will survive if they never visit the Magic Kingdom. That's when he lost me, right there. Yeah, I'm, I'm already shaking my head at that one. Number three was college. Number four, restaurants and expensive coffee. Number five is one of the philosophical ones, opportunities lost. He said we do it every day by failing to grab the employer match on our 401k plan, not investing in a tax-free Roth IRA, failing to fund a flexible spending account. That that one's going to be hard to get. Number six was cars. Number seven, credit cards. When people say they live paycheck to paycheck, does that include purchases put on credit cards that aren't paid off that month? In that case, they're spending more than their paycheck, and what they buy will cost them the purchase price plus a hefty insurance rate. Number eight is the lottery. Number nine is clothing. Number 10 is shoes. Number 11 is the all-encompassing tchotchkes and stuff. I could have put lens insurance or gasoline, I suppose, in tchotchkes and no, stuff. No, no, that's not it. Or utilities. Or utilities. <laughs> <laughs> utilities and tchotchkes. <laughs> Number 12, failing to look ahead is another philosophical one. Number 13, the third philosophical one, no backup plan. Number 14 is holidays on the calendar where you're spending all kinds of money that you don't need to spend. And then number 15, and Chelsea knows about this one right now, toys. Because the kids usually like the box. Remember those days, Len? Yes, yes, absolutely. Kids would play with the, you get this expensive toy and they're hanging out in the box. You're like, what are you doing? Number 16 is haircuts, which is why... Three of us on the show just gave up. <laughs> Len gave up on that too. And Doc and I followed his lead. What so, about jewelry? I, I mean, I think the wedding ring, right? Aren't we all going with cubic zirconia nowadays? That's a fun story, by the way. Maybe we can talk about later. I'm, I, Doc, I'm with you on that one, but uh, that that can cause a problem, marriage problems before the I do's even said. For, I don't know why, but yes, I'm with you. I actually walked past the jewelry store today that had a big sign that said, can you spend too much on a diamond ring? (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Not from us, you can. (laughs) I think the answer might be yes. I don't know. You know, it gets me like with the chocolate diamonds. You know, those used to be flawed. Nobody would want a a brown diamond, right? But then they got to the marketing thing and said, hey, let's call it a chocolate diamond and we'll actually charge more for it. You know, it's just, uh, what a scam. What a scam. It's amazing. I think Len thinks this whole game's a scam. So (laughs) there we go. One of the things that people ask me about the most is, uh, we talk about reducing fees. One fee that he doesn't have on his list, guys is bank fees. I mean, you can waste a ton of money on unnecessary bank fees. Just Bank of America, Wells Fargo, opening all kinds of accounts. Don't know how many checking accounts I have at Wells Fargo, and I've never been a customer there. But <laughs> one one company that's working to reduce bank fees, and they're using, and I'm very interested to talk about this, reducing fees using artificial intelligence 
is Harvest. And when we first heard about Harvest Platform, I was super interested to hear how do they help people do this. You can find out more at growmyharvest.com later. But right now, we've got the CEO and founder, Nami Baral from Harvest, coming down to the basement to explain it all to us on FinTech Friday. And here she comes down to the basement from Harvest. It's our new friend, Nami Baral. How are you? Hi, Joe. I'm doing well. Thank you so much for having me. Well, I'm glad you could include us on the Harvest World Tour, telling the world about it. I'm always curious about origin stories, Nami. You know, some people we talked to, it had something to do with their personal life and they couldn't find a solution. Other people, they saw this break in the marketplace, something banks weren't doing or something that that big companies weren't doing. How was it for you and Harvest? How did you get started? Let me give you a little bit of background on me because it's closely connected to how I started Harvest. Prior to Harvest, I was at Twitter. I had joined Twitter pre-IPO as an early employee through the acquisition of another startup that Twitter had acquired. And that startup was building real-time negotiation products, but for advertising. I had stayed on at Twitter as an early employee, you know, pre-IPO, post-IPO, gone through the ebbs and flows of the stock market and uh, really grew personally and professionally at Twitter. And around the time I decided to leave Twitter, I was responsible for for a team that was, uh, you know, responsible for more than a billion dollars in revenue every year. So it was a very interesting, nice and cushy job, but I decided to leave to start my own company. And that was supposed to be an investment platform at it, time. It's it, it's actually uh, before you go on. It's funny uh-huh. that you would call being in Twitter at the early stages a cushy job. <laughs> just and I'm also surprised you talk in really long sentences. I would think that you would keep everything to just a few characters. Being a Twitter person. <laughs> Absolutely. But, you know, I think even Twitter learned its lesson and, uh, you know, increased the number of characters because right. everybody <laughs> wants to talk more. <laughs> That's right. That's true. But anyway, so you moved on. Mm -hmm. I decided to get out of Twitter and start an investment platform. During the early alpha of that product, right, I was trying to understand what customers really wanted and I wanted to build that. And so I was getting on these customer discovery calls and really getting on calls with people from all over America. You know, your typical average American was like, you know, my client set that I was thinking at the time. And they were giving me a very intimate look into their finances. And what I was trying to decipher at that time was, why are you not saving more? Why are you not investing more? As I talked to them and I figured out what the pain point was, I realized that it's not so much about saving more and investing more. The biggest pain point that your average American had was around debt. They were so worried about, you know, how to meet their bills up until their next paycheck hits. They were worried about their credit card debt, their student loans, their personal loans, their auto loans, right? So the bigger problem that was really gnawing at them was not necessarily I'm not saving more. They are not even getting to that point. They are thinking more about the debt that is consuming their lives. And I noticed this debt across all of these forms I mentioned to you, but I also noticed them paying thousands of dollars literally on bank fees. And so, you know, it it just showed me the utter despair that many Americans live in, right? And it felt like something that I could really solve immediately. 
And since I had built real-time negotiation products at Twitter, I decided to essentially use my expertise to start building negotiation products, but in finance. So that's how Harvest in its current state was born. Uh, We decided to pivot away from the investment idea and actually build a platform to reduce the debt footprint that people have. And we are starting that with our first product, which is Harvest in its current form, automatically negotiating bank fees and credit card charges so that we can reduce your overall fee burden. I want to dive into that in a second, but on the topic of bank fees, for people that are new to the show, I've talked a lot about my early days of struggling with money and being bad with money, NAMI. And to your point, bank fees were insult to injury for me. I mean, I was already behind, and I remember the bank fees being so high that I would, before I even noticed, I would have, you know, $35 a pop. I'd have, I'd have $100 in bank fees, bam, 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 because one thing bounced, then another thing, then another thing. Yeah. And so then I'm, then I'm behind. And then I would just get those paid, and then there would be another tsunami. And I found that Bank of America was killing me as much as my own stupidity was killing me. And then later on, mm-hmm. I had another problem, which started when a check to my dad bounced. Then he had written me a check and all of a sudden there was this thing. And this is when I was good with money. And I remember looking at my bank and realizing the way that my bank was accounting now that I knew more, the bank was waiting on applying any money I put in and making sure that at the beginning of the day, they assessed the fee so that they ended up with a huge load of fees from me that don't get me wrong. I probably should have had maybe one fee. But I ended up having like four fees just because they accounted in this way that really stacked the deck against me. You must see that all the time. I see that all the time. And it's actually one of the most prominent reasons people get charged with hundreds and thousands of dollars in fees, right? Literally, we have served almost about 100,000 users already. And we see this so commonly. The practice that you just mentioned, it's called resequencing, right? So banks intentionally or unintentionally, I'll leave the users to decide what that is. (laughs) I know which one I believe. (laughs) Yes. uh, So they definitely decide to, you know, essentially they reserve the right to process your transactions in whichever way they want. And oftentimes it's in the favor of banks and in the favor of charging more fees rather than in the actual way the transaction was done. So like you said, there are so many customers who should have maybe gotten charged in only one or two overdraft fees because they only overdrafted once or twice. But just because of the transactions ordering at the end of the day, they get charged with hundreds of dollars in fees. So it's a very, very big problem. I call it a very, very quiet, but a huge epidemic. That's really one of the things that we have been able to help a ton of our customers with. We have built technology that is able to understand these kinds of things happening and is able to really decipher those kind of situations from your financial transaction history. And then we use those kind of use cases to automatically you know, negotiate with your bank and get money back. Let's talk about then how it works. So mm-hmm. uh, I've got the website pulled up, joinharvest.com. Do I go to the website first or do I go to an app? No, you go to the website, you go to joinharvest.com, you simply sign up and you link your account so that we can get transaction history so that we can do perform our analysis. 
And after we perform our analysis, our algorithm literally tells you what kind of fees you have and also computes negotiability of those fees on many, many different kinds of factors. At that point, if you want to take that information and go and negotiate with the bank yourself, absolutely, go ahead and do that. If you don't have the time or the energy or the you know willingness to do so, you can tell Harvest to do that negotiation for you. And at that point, an AI bot on our side, so no human involved, a bot on our side will do that negotiation through a proprietary communication technology that we have built with the banks that we support. Tell me, first of all, I have so many questions based on what you just, based on what you just said. First, Love it. For, first of all, I get that analysis from you. Give me an exa- a hypothetical example. What will that show me when I get the analysis back and how long does it take to get that analysis back? It literally happens within a couple of minutes of you logging in, right? So we get your financial transaction history through a similar mechanism as any other fintech app would, right? Through a third-party aggregator. And that goes into our custom machine learning technology, which has looked at all of the different kind of use cases for what it means to negotiate a certain kind of fee. So it will find your fee, and then it will show you a medium, high, low level of negotiability of your fees based on your unique finances at that time. That's why, you know, we always wanted to be helpful to customers before we even decided to, you know, build a company out of it. It was born out of that empathy for the customer. It is also why my title as CEO at Harvest, I don't call myself a chief executive officer. I call myself a chief empathy officer. That's really what we believe in, right? So you will get to see all of those things and you will get to see it within a couple of minutes of you signing up. At that point, you can do the negotiation either yourself or let Harvest do the negotiation. We have been extremely successful because, once again, we use technology to negotiate and not human emotions getting in the way. There's a lot of studies there, I'm sure. But if I just go into Harvest and link my accounts, that piece is all free, I understand. Absolutely. Yes. Not yeah. Everything is free up until the time we actually get you money back. At that time, if we get you money back, we take a cut. If we don't get you any money back, we don't take anything. It's completely value-based. Yeah. And I think, I mean, I just got some coaching. Well, I have lots of coaches, but this, <laughs> uh, this coaching session I just went to was interesting. It, there's a concept that they had uh, that they introduced us to, which is don't ask how, ask who. Because if you ask how to do something, you get in the weeds. So when you say negotiate with my bank, I go, Mm -hmm. yeah, I could do that myself. And then I'm in the weeds and then I got to figure out how to do that. And that's valuable time that as an entrepreneur, I could spend doing something else versus if I ask who I let Harvest do it. Sure. You take a fee, but then I think about my time is worth money and Mm -hmm. and you're probably better at it than I am. I would assume because you guys do it every day. Yes, we do it every day and we do it across thousands of different kinds of negotiation signals. So every time we do a negotiation that adds to our ever increasing database of you know information that feeds our AI bot and the bot really understands those signals, you know, machines are better at understanding signals than human beings are. And that is really where the sweet spot is uh, versus a human being doing the negotiation. Tell me about some of the fees that you've saved people without getting mm-hmm. into individual people about what type of money are we talking about? Yes. So the kind of fees are any kind of fee related to your checking account, whether mm-hmm. it's overdrafts or ATM fees or transaction fees, excess fees, sweep fees. There's hundreds of different kinds of fees that banks 
charge. You just need to look at their annual reports and you'll know. And then also credit card charges of all sorts. So interest charges, late fees, foreign transaction fees on credit card charges, um, membership fees even. So we negotiate any and all kinds of fees on the two uh, levers that we currently support on bank fees and credit card charges. And we are continuously introducing new products to handle other kinds of debt as well. So we'll have more products that can accommodate mortgage fees, personal loan-related fees, student loan-related fees, and more. That answers my question, what's coming next? The, the, <laughs> the other question that I have that I'm sure you get often, which is around privacy, right? I give you and Harvest the ability to look through my bank accounts. Uh, mm-hmm. Tell me about my information and keeping it safe. Yes, absolutely. So that's actually one of the things that we consider extremely, extremely like a prize jewel. Think about as a founder, like the first bank account that we're linking while we're building this product is my own. Then it's of my family, it's of my husband's, it's of my brother's, it's of my mom, it's of my dad. Then come friends. We treasure every little piece of information that we get from our users as if it is our own and we secure it with that mentality. For that reason, we use every you know cutting edge technology possible when it comes to securing financial information and not just financial information. Any kind of information you're giving to Harvest is secured with the latest technology that is available in the market. And also another reason Since we are building these custom proprietary technologies that can connect to your bank, we have to be at least as good, if not better, than the bank's own security mechanism. So we do not take it lightly, and it's something that we spend, uh, honestly, a ton of our brain power and our resources into. It's so exciting. And for a guy that's been there with banks and bank fees, not me. You're, you're doing God's work. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. What we're doing is we're absolutely trying to, you know, make a dent into, you know, essentially making people happy. We may not be able to say that, Hey, don't bank with someone because financial institutions are there for, and they're helpful. However, the fees that should not exist should not exist. And we will do our part to make that happen. The site is called joinharvest.com. If you're walking the dog or you're on your commute, we've got you covered. We'll have the link to Harvest on our show notes page at stackingbenjamins.com. Nami, thanks for hanging out with us for a few minutes and talking about Harvest with us. I really appreciate it. Yes, thank you so much for having me. The basement is great. (laughs) Len, do you remember the most fun thing you ever bought on Fiverr? I think it was a tenor. A tenor? T-E-N-O-R. Oh, somebody to sing? (laughs) (laughs) no i don't (laughs) i just i was trying to let that go by i was like come on come on you didn't do any of your design stuff at at fiverr or no no nope (laughs) (laughs) no that's all that's all right because maybe you've got to start maybe so maybe it's time to start my lithography maybe are there good lithographers on there because i could really use them for my uh, windshield uh windshield flyers lithographer is that the difference of a right flogger? There's a left flogger <laughs> and a right flogger. I don't even know what that is. Do you find those next that's to from the-, the old days? And well, I am older than you, Joe. So yes, that's even. Do you take the mimeograph machine <laughs> yeah, right. and get the, get those things done? <laughs> I, I'll get on Fiverr right away, Joe. I promise. So Len, you know what Chelsea's going to buy on Fiverr? She's going to buy somebody to stand behind her and keep waving their arms so her light stays on. (laughs) 
because all the way through this podcast, Chelsea, all of a sudden it goes Shutting dark. Shutting off on me. It's, it's so amazing. It's like every time we record with Paula, she drops the mic. Literally, the mic comes, the whole mic stand comes down. Well, on Fiverr, tell me, Chelsea, what you buy on Fiverr. The last thing we did on Fiverr was the video trailer for our summit was made on Fiverr. Yeah. And man, it was great, too. Yeah, they did an awesome job, and turnaround was super fast. It was like two days to make a video trailer. We do all kinds of voice work on Fiverr. The woman that announces our headlines uh, segment came from Fiverr. When we had uh, the famous Nick from Alaska call in, Nick was a guy from Fiverr who was awesome. By the way, he wrote us a note saying, this is the funniest job I've ever done. So that was <laughs> that was that was pretty, pretty incredible. But if you're unfamiliar with Fiverr, Mr. Penzo... Fiverr's Marketplace helps you get more done with less. Fiverr connects businesses with freelancers who offer hundreds of digital services, including graphic design. You can ch- It's about time you changed up that Lempenza.com logo, you know? What's wrong with that thing? You've just had it for a long time. I put a lot of work into that. Even Burger King changed their logo from time to time. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just, it's a, Joe, I'll look into it. It is a fine logo. However, do you have a code? Do you have, do you have a, a coupon code oh, for me? But wait, there's more, my friend. We, oh, we do okay. have a code. Yes, we oh, do. Awesome. But they offer hundreds of digital services like graphic design, copywriting. What you could have somebody write all your blog posts for you. There you go. Uh, web programming, film editing, and more. Find what you're looking for instantly. You can search by service, deadline, price, reviews, and more. Whenever we want somebody to do like a um, voiceover work for us, you just put in voiceover and there's tons of different people to choose from. 24-7 customer service, quality talent you can count on, sellers of work with some of the most influential brands in the world, and finding talent has never been easier for your project. You can review the seller ratings, the buyer feedback, and select the right freelancer based on your budget. Listen to this, Len. Take five and check out Fiverr.com, and you're going to get 10% off your first order because you're going to use the stacker code SB. It's so easy. Don't waste any more time and get the service you deserve by going to F-I-V-E-R-R.com, code SB, Fiverr. It starts here. That's awesome. I'm going right now. You guys carry on without me. (laughs) He puts mimeograph in Fiverr and can't find it. (laughs) Well, I said lithographer. You didn't even know what the heck a lithographer was. I don't have any idea what that, what that, I wish I knew. Well, it's, it's digital. So heck with it. I wish I knew. What I do know is that right now we're going to take out the magnifying glass and help somebody do better with their money. How about that one? Huh? That's a transition. Today's hotline call comes to us courtesy of magnifymoney.com. When you go to stackybenjamins.com forward slash magnify money, you find those financial products you use every day, nowhere near the best in class. Like we just heard from NAMI. A lot of fees and uh, expensivity coming from the banks. That's Joe's new word, expensivity. StackyBenjamins.com forward slash magnify money. There's over 92% of the products available online, all ranked at magnify money. I love it in the basement, by the way, when we talk about magnify money and uh, people are sharing just uh, how great that site is. So check it out. StackyBenjamins.com forward slash magnify money today. We're going to help Russell magnify his money. Say hi, Russell. Hey, Joel. Hey, OG. Hopefully, hey, Len. Hey, Paula. I'm going to make this question all play. I currently own a landscaping business where I am the only employee. It pays all my bills. I'm able to save money. I'm able to do very well. Getting my landscaping contractor's license. I also want to start a farm. The farm is going to be a nonprofit. And 
Uh, I wanted to know from a tech standpoint, how much can the two businesses share with each other? And where would maybe be a good resource to find more things about that? A uh, little background, I have an emergency fund of $16,000, which is more than six months. The business has about $5,000 sitting in it. I uh, have 25000 in my acorns fund. Uh, so I'm pretty set and everything's going fairly well. And before you answer, Joe, totally thinking with the end in mind, and I am picking up both ends of the sticks. OG, I know I'm going to be super tired. I'm 32. It's go time in my life. Paula, thank you for the round of applause. I do agree. That is very awesome. And Len, I don't read your blog, so I don't know what you might say. Oh Anyways, a double X medium. Thanks. Oh he insults you, and it's just you and I here. I'm telling you, I don't know. You don't have a po- if you don't have a podcast, you don't rate in this. There world. it is. You know what, Joe? I'm going to jump in here real quick. I mean, obviously, Russell. I don't have a catchphrase. Uh, obviously, you guys all have catchphrases. Your pod, your famous podcast, you have catch. I don't have a catchphrase. So you know what? I was thinking about what would my catchphrase be. I'm Russell. You're right. I need a catchphrase. Obviously, maybe I'll get more readers at my blog. So here's what I was thinking, right, Joe? Okay. So so I was thinking, I see dead people. You know, that's too depressing. <laughs> wait a minute. And then I thought, are you, say, are you, thought, are you, wait a minute. Are you saying when you say I see dead people, are you threatening Russell well, for no, calling no, you names? Just, I'm just trying to think of some, some, you know, oh. I was, was going to borrow some old famous catchphrases, right. For me to start using. So that was one, you know, the sixth sense. I see dead people. It's just too depressing. So then I thought, well, how about say hello to my little friend, but that's, that's too self incriminating really. So I don't want to, <laughs> I didn't want to go with that. And then I was thinking, like, take your stinking paws off me, you damn dirty ape. But uh, that's a little too provocative. And then how about welcome to Flavortown? That's a good one, right? <laughs> you know, the, the, that's too obvious. <laughs> so I've narrowed it down to two, I think. And maybe your, your, your listeners, Joe, can pick one for me. But it, either swing or <laughs> big money, no whammies. Big money, no whammies. Yeah. I mean, can you see me saying that on your show every once in a while? Big money, no whammy or swing. I mean, one of those two, I think, would be my catchphrase. Since all you guys, you famous people have yours already. There's one of my, I think it should be one of those two. What do you think? Was Wink Martindale the host of that show? (laughs) Wink. No, it wasn't Wink. I don't know who it was. It was some, I don't know. Yeah. Press your luck. Press your luck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. at least, Len, he knew your name. He kept on calling me OG for some reason. <laughs> That's right. G, OG, I don't get it. And he kept calling Chelsea. At least he knew your name. Yeah. He kept calling Chelsea Paula. What's that about? <laughs> what the heck's going on there? All right. Uh, by the way, Russell, you said that the farm's going to be a nonprofit. I was a financial planner for 16 years. My clients that were farmers will tell you every farm is a nonprofit. That is the joke that they <laughs> keep on keep on giving. One of my clients that was a farmer said, Len, what does the, uh, what did the farmer do when he won the million dollar lottery? I, I don't know. He farmed it till it was gone. <laughs> <laughs> that's the, that is, that's what they say. So, uh, how much commingling can you do? Does anybody, I mean, commingling your businesses, if the farm is a nonprofit and the four business company is loaning stuff to a nonprofit. I think that's acceptable. I think going the other way where you buy it using your 501c3 non-taxable company 
and then uh, use it for your landscaping business, which Russell is probably closer to what I think you want to do. I would say that's a big no-no. Uh, Doc, what you're... About, what about liability issues? Like, what if the landscaping business damages, you know, a million-dollar house and they have $100,000 of damages? Are they going to then go after the farm? I, do you really want to commingle these two completely separate businesses? I, I wouldn't want to do that. Yeah, Chelsea? Yeah, unless he's thinking there's certain equipment he can use in both. That's probably the most relevant case. But yeah, from a liability perspective, it seems risky. I would think though I would think though, Len, that he would have to buy it in the for profit business equipment if he's going to use it in the for profit. I would think that there's a I'm not a CPA. I'd love to hear from CPAs about this one uh later, but it'd be interesting to hear. But I would think if you if you buy something in your nonprofit business and use it in a for profit venture, there's got to be some line there. Yeah, I do too. I'm not, I have no freaking clue on that, that, that kind of law, but I was trying to think what he could do, you know, trying to blend the landscaping with the farming. And I'm like, the only thing I could think of really was there'd be a really good match would be like sod producer, you know, people who make sod, you know, they have these sod farms. I mean, you know, that would be a really nice match, but I, I you know, other than that, I, seems to get really out there otherwise. But. Hard to have a nonprofit sod business, though. Well, I don't know. Maybe you uh, give sod to – yeah, you're right. Probably. I don't know, Chelsea. Yeah. I, I will say on the nonprofit farm side, so we have good friends that are successful urban farmers in Denver, which is successful in the range of farming. It's profitable and it works. Uh, and they explore doing it as a nonprofit. And I would just encourage you to do your research on why you want it to be a nonprofit. All farms, as Joe was saying, struggle – but nonprofit farms in particular have a lot of trouble getting ongoing buy-in from the community. And then they can't keep the cash flow in good years to sustain when you have really bad years, which happens in farming. It's a tough place to put a nonprofit, though there's a lot of cool ideas for it of like donating times to schools and community gardens, but it's still, it's problematic. So there's actually even some like articles and YouTube videos from farmers who have tried it about it if you want to check it out. This is also, I think, a great time to involve a, a professional. I mean, that's that is a mm -hmm. that's definitely Russell a CPA level question. So back in my financial planning days, I would say I don't know the answer to that, but I know who does. And today, I'm going to say I don't know the answer to that, but I know there's some listeners who do. <laughs> so write me, Joe at Stacking Benjamins, and uh, we'll solve the issue in the, here in the next couple weeks. That's going to do it for today. By the way, if you've got a question for the show, head to stackybenjamins.com forward slash voicemail, and we will say we don't know to answer your question, too. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see how many weeks in a row we can do that. Well. Uh, <laughs> uh, that's going to do it for today. We're going to let the guest of honor go last. Len, what the heck's going on at LenPenzo.com, that blog that Russell doesn't read? Yeah, uh, the reason Russell doesn't read my blog is because I have articles like these coming out. I've, I'm featuring, because I have the time to do this stuff, and it's really important in the world of personal finance, $8,100 chicken McNuggets and other strange items that you find on Amazon and eBay for sale. And I will say the $8,100 chicken McNugget, actually, somebody actually paid that much. By the way, that McNugget. Len? Yes. Richard Quill would think that an $8,100 nugget's a waste of money. <laughs> Surprised it wasn't on his list. I know, just, just saying. If he yeah, read so your... come on by, lenpenzo.com or my sister blog, The Persistent Itch. There it is. Swing! <laughs> I, like, hey, 
I don't I know. I think the swing is good. Was was that it? If he says swing after everything, we should do an episode where you say swing after everything you say, and that would just be. You ever have one of those things that you keep saying because it's so incredibly annoying, and you just can't stop because it's this ear. There you go. That might be it. Swing, Doc. What's going on at the What's Up Next podcast, my friend? So on Monday, we dropped an episode about being in the sandwich generation, specifically, will your parents get in the way of your financial plan? We had Cameron Huddleston on and Stephen Chen from New Retirement and Doug Nordman and Jen Smith from Frugal Friends. And then on Thursday, we dropped an episode with Ashley Evans about taking an unexpected gap year and some of the twists and turns and pivots that occur in life when you're not expecting them. Wow, some great stories there. When well, you said sandwich generation, that was different than what I was thinking. I was thinking sandwich versus, you know, Len has the sandwich survey every summer. This is like mm, bologna. No? <laughs> Whole different thing. We are, we're all getting hungry right We right are now. getting hungry. Chelsea, save us. What's <laughs> happening on the show? On the Smart Money Mama show, we're focused on mindset this month, which is now we're almost wrapping up with February, but we're talking about all the different ways you can think about money and make sure that you're not getting in your own way with your goals. So yesterday we dropped an episode with Lindsay Bryan Podvin, who's a financial therapist, on how to deal with financial anxiety. And on Monday we had an episode on how to budget from a mindset of abundance instead of scarcity, which is a huge problem a lot of people have. Yeah, cool. You know, financial anxiety, when I was a financial planner, that, that is a big time problem. Like people that that have big, big, big issues. And you see it a lot, Len, where you are. People in the months leading up to retirement, they're all afraid they miss something. Or if you're having a child or like these big moments in life, like the anxiety gets big. But for other people, it's just all the time. Like Chelsea, that's a huge issue. Yeah, there's a lot of people with debt that it's constant, but there's actually a really interesting study with women that actually the more they earn, the more they get worried about becoming homeless and having this like bag lady oh. fear and how to handle that as they as they grow their wealth is a big question for people Lindsay deals with. Wow, that's that's incredible. Uh, we'll have links to Chelsea's show, to Doc's show, to the Persistent Itch Lens podcast that Russell doesn't read. <laughs> Lens podcast. Let's see. I thought you had a podcast. <laughs> We've been doing this how long, Len? And now a, a yeah. Len's blog, uh, all at stackybedjamins.com. By the way, that just doesn't do it for today. That does it for this eight weeks, guys. Next week, we are playing some of our favorite episodes over the last eight years of podcasting. So Finn, the intern, coming down to the basement with some fantastic, some of our favorite shows. So catch those and then uh, OG and I'll be back Monday after next. So on that note, Doug, you've got it from here, man. What should we have learned today? Well, Joe, I'll tell everybody what they should have learned today. First, we learned that some people waste a lot of money on silly things. Which ones that we mentioned can you cut? Start today. Second, some of those things we waste money on are bank fees. And whether it's a company like Harvest or your own diligent eye, Backing down on those will also add money to your bottom line. But the big lesson? Better go make friends with a plumber now, because how are you going to call one without the yellow pages? What? That phone in my hand? Really? Oh, that was just for cat videos. No way! I can, like, call people? Amazing! What a wonderful time we're living in, huh? Special thanks to Chelsea Brennan for coming down to the basement today. 
good luck on your new podcast, Chelsea. And sadly, I'm already contractually obligated to this show where I'd agree to your generous offer to come guest every week on your podcast for an exorbitant amount of money. Maybe next time. Also, thanks to Nami Baral from Harvest for coming down to the basement to help us with our bank fees. You'll find all the links to Harvest and to Chelsea's podcast, Smart Money Mamas, on our show notes page at stackingbenjamins.com. Len Penzo was gold on today's show, wasn't he? Well, at least he's hoarding it all under his bed. This show is created by Joe Saul Sehi, produced by Karen Rapine, and engineered by the amazing Steve Stewart. Online, visit us on Twitter at SBenjamin'sCast or on our Facebook page. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and I do not like computer jokes, not one bit. SB Podcasts may receive payment on the show from sponsors and guests in the form of books, giveaway items, discounts, or other remunerations. That's a big word. There's no way you take advice from these dorks, but like Joe's mom always says, don't take advice from people you don't know. This show is for entertainment purposes only. And before making any financial decisions, consult with a real financial advisor. So based on the discussion we just had, guys, there is something. Every family has these things that happen. And uh, my sister had a very interesting one. My brother-in-law is an incredibly nice guy, super guy, but also loves saving money. Absolutely loves saving money. And he got my sister the biggest rock. Like she was showing it off everywhere. And it was it was incredible how nice this ring was that my brother-in-law and my brother-in-law, by the way, cool guy. And he was puffing his chest out, man, about how cool it was, this rock that he, that he got my sister. And, um, my sister then maybe three years in four years into the marriage, she goes, you know what? She's looking through her financial plan and she's like, I need to go get this insured. (laughs) Like some, I, I better go. And she didn't tell my brother-in-law and she went to get it insured. (laughs) (laughs) And it was the cheapest insurance ever. And the dude, the dude working at the jewelry store, my sister said was having trouble because he didn't want to tell her what he was about. He was in the world's worst spot. And she said, the jewelry store is pretty crowded with people. And he's like, um, do you like to come back to my office? And she's thinking, this must be worth a ton of money. And he, <laughs> and he doesn't want to tell me in public. 
And so she's like, well, yes, I will go to your office. <laughs> yes, I will. And they walk into his office and he's like, uh, uh, this is uh, cubic zirconium. And uh, didn't cost that much. Uh, yeah, but see, that's it. But, but see the whole scene up there. Nobody knew. Nobody no, knew. Nobody knew. So who cares? And why, why didn't spend he, all that money? And why didn't he himself take it to get insured? I know. Like, why did he leave that to her? <laughs> We're he because it's a real deception, Doc. <laughs> this is the I worst mean, marital advice and, ever. If you're going to go ahead and pull this off, and you're going to pull it off for three years, you <laughs> think he could have figured out that maybe he'd say, no, honey, why don't you let me go get that insured? I love how, Chelsea, the question here is not, to your point, the question isn't, why didn't he tell the truth? It's, why didn't he take it and pretend it was a jerk? We've <laughs> <laughs> got a gender imbalance going on. And, little... then it, and then if it gets stolen, he could replace it. It is expensive. Self-insure. Wait, you're still paying for it. Because we have a, a rider on our on our homeowner's insurance policy for my wife's ring. It's like $100 a year yeah. extra, I think it is. Yeah. Just, you know, every year yeah. for that ring. Yeah, we have one so, on on uh, Cheryl's too. I the, sold mine. Uh, you sold your ring? I did. I never wore it. Yeah. I was like, this is just taking up space in the safe when we're paying insurance on it. This is stupid. So we sold it. Did you write a, a story about that? Or did somebody, somebody wrote a story about that in our community? Somebody might have. I didn't. But. Yeah. Yeah. Because that'd be an interesting story too. But I mean, my brother-in-law is a great guy. And when he got found out, he totally owned it. Like immediately. He's like, yep, I did it. I'm sorry. And uh, they're still happily although not truthfully, living ever after. <laughs> Doc has one. Len has one. We go to the super exciting, wait for it, wait for it, the super duper exciting. You're saying that he didn't. Oh, my God. Come on. <laughs> I swear to God. That, that was super duper exciting. If I ever learn how to work my computer, it'll be awesome. Well, stackers, the show might be over, but the celebrations are just beginning because it is Military Appreciation Month that I want to celebrate people like my brother-in-law, Eric, who is such a giving person. Eric will do just anything for you. And as a Marine, you can see that his time in the military taught him to be a guy who gives to his community, gives to his family, and is always there when you need them. This Military Appreciation Month, Navy Federal Credit Union wants to celebrate members like Eric who go above and beyond. Navy Federal offers member-only exclusive rates, discounts, and tools to empower their members and help them reach their goals. Navy Federal's employees are part of the community they serve. Many of them are military family members, reservists, or veterans. And all branches of the military, veterans, DOD employees, and their families are eligible for Navy Federal membership. In fact, there are so many resources on the Navy Federal website, resources like Best Cities After Service to help veterans transition to civilian life and Best Careers for Military Spouses to support military families. Visit NavyFederal.org celebrate and you'll see all of their Military Appreciation Month offers and other Navy Federal offers. Navy Federal is insured by NCUA, Equal Housing Lender. <laughs> 